Hello and welcome to the LCN Legal Podcast, bringing you expert views and analysis of the legal aspects of transfer pricing compliance. Our focus is always on real-world, practical insights that you can apply in your everyday work. In this episode, Paul Sutton talks to Filippo Miotto, a director in BDO Australia's transfer pricing practice, about transfer pricing aspects of intangibles. The heart of the conversation is the latest draft of the ATO's practical compliance guidelines for such arrangements. Clearly, this is particularly relevant for groups who operate in Australia, but there's also a wider perspective, because the guidelines provide a structured framework for assessing the risk level of arrangements, both while planning them and after the fact. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Hi there, uh, Filippo. Great to have you on this, this podcast. Hi, Paul. Great to be there. So so, so maybe, Filippo, um, obviously you're, you're here to share some thoughts about intangibles and the Australian perspective on intangibles in particular. Maybe you could just um, introduce yourself um, briefly and explain how you got to where you are. Yes, uh, thank you, Paul. So um, I work for BDO in Australia, and I am a director in the transfer pricing practice. I have about 18 years of experience in international tax, the last eight specializing in transfer pricing. I moved to BDO six years ago, and before BDO, I used to work for PwC in Luxembourg and in Italy for quite a number of years. And uh, in transfer pricing, my expertise is very much around uh, the planning, uh, and in particular for small and medium-sized enterprises, which, of course, uh, planning includes also migration uh, and structuring of intangible arrangements. Got it. Great. Thanks, Thanks, Filippo. So we're here to talk about intangibles. Um, maybe you could set the scene and just explain why is it that intangibles tend to attract so much attention from tax administration? So what, what is it about this as, as a risk area, if you like, for transfer pricing? Yeah, maybe uh, let's start with the definition of uh, intangible intangible assets or what is an intangible asset. So uh, the definition is quite broad and uh, the ATO or uh, Australian Taxation Office uh, refers to the OECD guidelines when it comes to the uh, definition of uh, an intangible asset. And if I read the OECD guidelines, uh, intangible assets refer to property, assets, and rights that are not physical or financial assets, which are capable of being controlled for use in commercial activities and are not restricted by any accounting or legal concept or any definitions. And as you can see, Paul, this definition is uh, is quite uh, is quite broad. And uh, we talk about intangibles because uh, definitely intangibles are becoming a significant source of uh, competitive advantage for, for a business. And they are um, obviously quite central to cre- the creation of, uh, of the value for the customers and also for the shareholders uh, and any uh, stakeholders uh, in general. And um, I may also add that uh, nowadays, intangibles can be even more valuable to a business than tangible assets so um but of course you know there could be different differences uh, depending on uh, the business and in the industry just to give uh, a few examples so when it, when we talk about intangible assets we may talk about patents uh, we may talk about brands uh, trademarks we may talk about rights under contracts uh, trade names uh, 
know-how and trade secrets uh, in general. And I recently uh, came across to a quite interesting situation of a transfer of a client list in the context of uh, a new distribution arrangement. So uh, again, uh, an intangible uh, which could be potentially very valuable for uh, for the parties, uh, which was uh, transferred across. And um, de definitely, uh, there is also uh, well, the, the focus of uh, um, of the ATO when it comes to uh, intangibles is from many different uh, perspectives. But in the context of the PCG, which is what we are talking about today, uh, the main risk is that the Australian uh, um, entities are undercompensating uh, in the context of a transfer of an intangible assets for performing um, certain key functions around this uh, asset. Got it. Yeah, and and I guess if if you go back to the origins of BEPS, the whole BEPS project, and and the 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 perception, probably the reality to some extent of artificial shifting of of profits, then. Um, intangibles may be regarded as easier to move than physical plant, actual people, and and so that the sort of classic um, horror stories, if you like, of artificial moving of IP into BVI or offshore jurisdictions or or something like that being an ob obvious area of of focus. Um, and 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 Paul, if if I may add, there's a specific category category of intangible assets which is worth mentioning, which is the hard to value intangibles. So. Right. Um, nice. let me put it this way. So intangibles are already quite difficult to, um, to value because of their in intangible in nature, but within the, the, the category of intangible assets, there is the, this subcategory, which is the hard to value intangible assets, which, um, as you know, uh, the OECD has given, uh, a separate recognition and, uh, makes uh, any exercise of valuation, even more difficult. Yep, totally. Okay, so so let's let's talk about the PCG. Uh, well, the specific PCG that, that that we're here to focus on. So, practical compliance guidelines. Um, it is twenty twenty three D two. Um, but but perhaps before we dive into that, um, so so this is part of a series of practical compliance guidelines issued by the the ATO. So maybe you could give us an overview of sort of what the portfolio looks like, and and then talk about this specific one. Yeah, so the uh, the practical compliance uh, uh, guidelines uh, are guidelines issued by uh, the ATO in relation to the practical implication of the tax laws and uh, an out outline their uh, administrative uh, approach is um, uh, is a typical approach that the ATO has in relation to certain transactions which are um, quite uh, risky from their perspective. And uh, the purpose of the ATO is uh, provide certain guidelines uh, to the taxpayer uh, so they can effectively self-assess their tax risk using um, a particular risk assessment uh, uh, framework. So uh, in Australia, we have uh, PCGs for distribution arrangements, uh, now for intangible uh, intangibles arrangements, uh, but also for financial transactions, uh, for transfer pricing documentation, and uh, I would say that it's a um, they are quite uh, quite useful because uh, you can understand what is the the perspective of the ATO in relation to risk arising from from certain transactions, 
and you can also uh, you know better understand what is the the risk uh, that you know as a taxpayer uh, you may face. Fine. Okay. So so here we're talking about the second draft of the PCG relating to intangibles. Um, so what what's what's the structure of it? How how, how does it work and how, how does it break down? Yeah. So um, so this is the second version. There were a few changes uh, uh, compared to the to the previous uh, version, but the, the the core part of the of the PCG um, hasn't uh, hasn't changed. So in the context of these uh, intangibles uh, arrangements, uh, the PCG sets out uh, the ATO compliance approach, uh, in particular to uh, the following situations. So the first one is the uh, the mischaracterization of the DEMPI functions, uh, activities undertaken in connection with uh, an intangible asset. And uh, the DEMPI activities uh, are quite important uh, in the context of transfer pricing. DEMPI stands for Development, uh, Enhancement, uh, Maintenance, Protection, and Exploitation. And so these are the activities which are normally considered uh, key when it comes to uh, an intangible uh, arrangement. Um, so, um, and um, of course, uh, also the uh, the uh, the focus of the ATO is around uh, uh, any potential uh, structuring or restructuring in relation to uh, the ownership of the of the intangible asset and all the or subsequent uh, activities undertaken by the parties uh, in connection to this uh, intangible asset uh, which might have migrated outside of Australia. So. Um, and yeah, as as I said, it's a it's a very common approach uh, approach applied by uh, by the ATO. This uh, um, you know uh, issuing these practical compliance guidelines, and as we we will see more um, in the course of our conversation, you will understand why this is becoming quite a, a key tool for taxpayer and uh, tax administration. So. Um, let, let's let's talk about the structure and how the reporting system works un, under the uh, PCG. So, is is that right? It's it's a sort of self assessment that the taxpayer has to undertake themselves. Uh, yes, Paul. So, um, what I would like to um, to point out here is that uh, in the PCG there is a, a perspective uh, from the taxpayer and there is a, a perspective from from the ATO. So. Uh, if we if we start with the with the ATO perspective, the uh, the ATO can use the PCG to assess the compliance risk associated with the intangible arrangement, but they can also tailor their engagement around it around this uh, this this risk. So, for example, if the result of the uh, application of the of the PCG uh, to the intangible arrangement is a high risk then the ATO may want to allocate more resources uh, to the to the review of the of the transaction if the result uh, of the PCG is a low risk then the ATO may not allocate any resources uh, at all considering you know the transaction mm. uh, low risk and that's the ATO perspective but then we also have the taxpayer perspective so uh, in in essence a taxpayer can use the the, the framework of the PCG to understand what is the compliance risk that it might be presented by an intangible arrangement, 
the, the specific feature of uh, the intangible arrangement that the ATO may consider to present a greater compliance risk, but also the evidence that the ATO are likely to ask the taxpayer to produce in relation to the intangible arrangement if there is an ATO review on an audit. And this also includes the level of engagement that the taxpayer should expect from the ATO on the basis of the risk deriving from uh, the intangible arrangement. So it's, it is a planning tool for taxpayers in terms of looking ahead and and, and deciding what approach to ad- adopt and, and preparing, being prepared for the level of evidence that will be expected. Yeah, absolutely. And um, this PCG in particular is divided in three parts. So uh, part one provides the ATO compliance approach for an intangible arrangement. Part two, which is the core of the PCG, explains how the ATO assess the compliance risk of an intangible arrangement. And the last part, part three, provides an outline of the types and level of evidence that the ATO would expect when examining an intangible arrangement. Okay, great. And and how does the the reporting actually work? You know, what what's what's the timing of that? Is 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 it actually mandatory for taxpayers to self-report? Yeah, that's a good question, and uh, it depends. So the answer is yes or no. Um, in general, the uh, the PCG is not mandatory, so uh, you are not obliged uh, as a taxpayer to uh, self-assess uh, your uh, tax risk based on the PCG. However. Uh, for certain, uh, for a certain category of uh, taxpayers, uh, large taxpayers uh, uh, with revenues of more than 250 million in Australia, the um, the PCG, uh, the preparation of the PCG becomes mandatory because uh, there is a, a disclosure obligation in a particular schedule of the income tax return, which is called the reportable tax position schedule, and. And so in this case, it would be mandatory, but also another situation that may arise when indirectly the preparation of the um, PCG becomes uh, recommend, strongly recommended is in a tax audit. So in a tax audit, the ATO may ask to the taxpayer whether it has uh, self-assessed his uh, uh, its pos- uh, risk based on on the pcg so uh, yeah typically in the first uh, information request sent by the ato if you have uh, transactions which are potentially subject to a pcg there is a sort of expectation by the ato that the taxpayer has self-assessed um, its position uh, so in, in, yeah, to summarize, it, it's not mandatory, but I think it's quite important to understand uh, what is the, the risk. It's a useful tool. And also, if you put this uh, use of this tool in the context of uh, uh, the governance framework or the governance expectation uh, that now, um, you know, tax administrations in general are, are setting, uh, it becomes quite, uh, um, quite important. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it's, it's, it sounds like it's, it's squarely within that this ongoing dialogue between the ATO and the advisory and taxpayer community as, as regards expectations and, and evidence and, and, and so on. 
Um, so can you talk a bit more about the examples that are given in, uh, is, is it part three of, of the PCG? So the kind of examples that are are set out um, as intangibles arrangements, which um, may need to be assessed. Yeah, so um, there are 13 examples. And these 13 examples uh, um, are um, in connection with the different uh, levels of risk. So we have examples for the high risk zone, for the medium risk zone, and also for the low risk zone. And the examples uh, cover uh, typical situations uh, such as centralization of intangible assets, uh, bifurcation of intangible assets, migration of pre-commercialized intangible assets, and this back to my initial comment, uh, how to value intangibles, contract R&D arrangements, uh, cost contribution arrangements. Uh, so uh, the examples are quite useful because they are quite detailed and effectively um, they provide a, um, a fact pattern and uh, they simulate the application of the of the PCG on the basis of the um, of the fact pattern. So um, it's a very it's a mm -hmm. very useful um, it's a very useful uh, you know guidance uh, provided by the ATO with examples. And is is, is it right? So, so we're talking about two two basic two risk categories. One is about remuneration of DMP functions uh, or under remuneration of DMP functions performed in Australia. And the other one is about migration of, of IP or deemed migration yeah. of IP. So, yeah, so um, broadly, uh, the PCG covers uh, two, uh, two situations uh, involving intangible ass uh, arrangements. So the first one is the migration of an intangible asset. And the second one is any other arrangements that may arise in connection with uh, with intangible uh, uh, assets. So um, if we dig a little bit further into these uh, um, two categories of situations, so the first one, so the migration of the intangible uh, assets to a international related party, the PCG and the risk assessment framework under the PCG provides a point scoring table having regard to the following factors. Uh, a restructuring uh, or change of ownership in relation uh, to uh, to the intangible asset. For example, if the Australian uh, um, entity is disposing uh, the asset to an international related party, uh, the second factor is the substance of the uh, of the entities of, or in particular, the substance of the international uh, related party and its ability to perform uh, the so-called uh, DMP functions. And a third, a third factor, which is quite interesting, is uh, the tax outcomes of the intangible arrangement. So the ATO also wants to understand what is the overall tax outcome, which derives from you know, transferring this, uh, in, uh, you know, migrating this intangible um asset and uh, uh, performing certain fa functions um in connection with it um mm -hmm. and i guess uh, what is also uh, worth mentioning is that there are some particular instances which immediately uh, place uh, the taxpayer into the high risk zone um for for example uh if there is a, a transfer uh, to a newly established entity, then uh, you know uh, you may already be placed in the in the high risk zone. Um, or, for example, uh, if 
if there is a particular tax outcome very favorable to the taxpayer, even without mm -hmm. any considerations around the underlying economic substance, then uh, the PCG would place you in the high risk um, zone. And uh, I guess probably one comment which is important to make is that the PCG per se is not an indication uh, of whether the transaction has been undertaken in accordance with the arm's length principle. So the PCG is purely a risk assessment tool, which you know may inform about a particular risk deriving from a transaction. But uh, you could a taxpayer could uh, be placed in a high risk zone, but still the chance of pricing position could be absolutely in accordance with the arm's length principle. The only difference is that, of of course, the, the ATO would try to understand more um, about the um, the transaction. So, so you could say that the high risk category really means higher scrutiny category. Um, and I guess yeah, that leads on to the, the evidence expectations in terms of, well, what does it mean to be in that zone where you really need to be able to justify the position very carefully? So, so maybe you can give us an outline of the evidence expectations yeah well I, I, it's a fair statement uh, so it's uh, um, it's also fair to say that it's not so easy to fall under the low risk zone um, <laughs> you, you really need to have you know a very plain plain vanilla uh, arrangement uh, to be able to fall under the um, the green zone or the low risk zone um, but in terms of evidence so that's another uh, interesting uh, question because evidence is quite an important uh, um, concept in, in transfer pricing and becoming more and more uh, important. The, uh, the PCG is providing examples of evidence uh, that the ATO uh, is expecting to examine in a, um, in a review or in an audit. And I guess num number one is... Uh, around the commercial reasons and the decision-making process related to the intangible asset. And uh, there are uh, very specific examples. And uh, I, you know, I could list, for example, market evaluations, uh, briefing materials, uh, presentations, uh, emails, uh, board minutes. Uh, so you can, you can really have um, a feeling of the level of evidence that the ATO is expecting a taxpayer to be able um, to produce. Um, and in addition to commercial reasons and decision-making process, uh, there are evidence around legal agreements, uh, governance framework, uh, transfer pricing documentation, uh, with, of course, uh, a strong focus uh, on uh, ADEMPI analysis. Um, but also, I can mention tax advice, uh, um, and you know, uh, understanding what is the tax advice given by your advisor in the context uh, that we are uh, experiencing now, um, where you know uh, the tax authorities are you know trying to dis disencourage uh, aggressive tax um, planning mm -hmm. given by by tax advisors. So, um, but also I can mention evidence of tax profit outcome. 
it's quite interesting, again, to understand whether the taxpayer has done any analysis of the of the outcome of the tax outcome deriving from um, from a particular um, arrangement around the uh, the intangible uh, asset. So definitely, uh, the ATO is expect is is putting the uh, the expect the, the bar with the expectation of the evidence quite high. Yeah, and and personally, I think I think it's it's such a a great reminder. So obviously, it has specific application in Australia and the ATO's ex expectation, but I I do think it's a great reminder for the TP community globally. It's saying, well, this is how transactions can look from an outside view. You know, it's all very well going through the tax technical analysis or transfer pricing technical analysis, but when you zoom out and say, well. Why was this structure implemented in the first place? What was the rationale for it? What was the economic effect of it? And and therefore, what evidence is needed in order to um, demonstrate that it is a legitimate structure? It's, it's, it's a really good reminder. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, the ATO is leading the way in um, in, the, in the transfer pricing community. Absolutely. It's... Uh, um, it's, it's, it's very ad advanced. And um, I come from... Um, from from Europe, Europe, obviously, with my experience in Italy and in Luxembourg, and I can see that the um, the level of uh, analysis, uh, details, and now evidence required by the ATO, it's quite quite advanced. So, yeah, I mean, just just giving one example that I came across when reading the the PCG is about declining royalty arrangements. You know, and and obviously this this is where you've got existing. IP may be treated as legacy IP and and so that IP owner is agreeing to allow the rest of the group to use it but with a declining or reducing royalty over a period of time and yes that may make sense from a pure economic or benchmarking perspective in terms of the amount of the declining royalty but the substance of the arrangement is that the IP owner is basically giving up on that on the, on the long term value of that ip so it's 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 important to remember that yeah absolutely and uh, uh, there are some um some arrangements uh, uh, which were very very popular like uh, a few years ago in relation to uh, to intangibles uh, which are probably going to be more difficult to implement now as you said mm -hmm. the the concept of the declining royalties uh, um or the so-called uh, uh, dine and divine of, of 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 the IP, it's also you know something else that probably we will see less and less, uh, you know, unless there is proper substance and evidence uh, um, able to support it. Yep, totally. Well, I'd like to move on and and talk about one of the other measures. Um, in the pipeline in Australia. So, so this is the the multinational tax integrity regime. Maybe you can give us a, a brief outline of what this is about and what is coming down the line in that regard. Yeah, this is still a, um, a draft law, but effectively, uh, Australia is uh, introducing in the tax system uh, a provision to deny deductions, tax deductions for payments relating to intangible assets uh, connected with low corporate tax jurisdictions. And... Uh, well, that's another. Uh, first of all, it's another measure uh, around uh, intangible intangible assets, and uh, I think it's another indication of really the focus that uh, the ATO and uh, 
the um, Australian uh, um, policymakers in, in general are you know trying uh, to um, to give to intangible intangible transactions. Definitely in Australia, intangibles, uh, financial transactions uh, are in the top five of the uh, key uh, dealings uh, which are currently under a great scrutiny uh, from the ATO. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, we're coming to the end of of, of this the show. So, um, p- perhaps you could leave us with some key takeaways or, or or the kind of things that you you're talking about with with clients when they're thinking about structuring or restructuring their intangible arrangements. So, so what 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 are the key takeaways or t- key discussion points? Definitely, uh, the first message would be in relation to the identification of the intangible asset. So. As we said at the beginning, the definition of intangible asset is quite broad. So um, it's it's very important uh, to review all the commercial and financial dealings uh, between uh, international related parties uh, to make sure that all uh, intangible assets are properly um, identified. And you know, just to to go back to the example uh, um, I made uh, at the beginning, uh, when uh, a, a company uh, decides to start uh, uh, to distribute uh, its products overseas and may set up a distribution arrangement with a related party, there could be so many different intangibles uh, used within this distribution arrangement. Um, that are important, uh, you know, uh, to review and to consider from a transfer pricing perspective, and you know, make sure that all the parties are properly uh, compensated for uh, for their for their use. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other message is around the importance of uh, contemporaneous evidence when it comes to intangible assets. So, uh, as we said, uh, uh, evidence uh, is uh, uh, absolutely instrumental to understand uh, the uh, the roles uh, and uh, the the main features of the of the of the arrangement but having this evidence contemporaneous gives you the advantage of making sure that you collect all the available information and documentation at the time of the transaction because as we know uh a audit, a tax, a tax audit or review may come a few years or like uh, a number of years after the, the transaction is entered into by the parties. So collecting evidence could be quite difficult um, down the track. So it's better to have all the evidence collected in a contemporaneous fashion. And I guess the last me- the last message uh, is uh, the importance of why. So when a taxpayer enters into a transaction, it's absolutely key to understand why uh, that the taxpayer is entering into the transaction. What is the com- you know um, what is uh, the commercial rationale? Um, what is the economic benefit? that the uh, taxpayer receives from from this transaction. So uh, this is especially true in the context of uh, intangible 
assets. Totally. Well, thank you very much, Filippo. It's been fascinating. I would heartily recommend everyone who's listening to actually read the the PCG, the the D two. 2023 it's it's really interesting reading um obviously that there there are specifics in terms of supporting australian taxpayers in relation to their uh, activities and thank you very much for giving that kind of practical perspective on, on everything thank you paul for having me here it was a pleasure thanks for listening to the elsin legal podcast we'd love to hear what you think you'll find the contact details on our website lcnlegal.com. In the blog section, you'll find a transcript of this episode, which includes Filippo's contact details. And on the blog and in the training hub section, you'll also find much more about intangibles, Australia, the ATO, and other related issues. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe. Go to your podcast provider and search for the LCN Legal Podcast. Until next time, goodbye.